Welcome to Hanging On For Hope. I'm your host, Andrea Page. Hanging On For Hope is the stories about people working to overcome trauma and adversity from incarceration to kids in crisis, postpartum depression, acute grief and loss, and serious health challenges. We hear from everyday people on what they're going through and how they get through it. We also hear from experts on the latest strategies, supports, treatments, and brain science for overcoming adverse life experiences and improving quality of life. The human experience is influenced by so many things. Together, we can learn how to overcome the more difficult aspects of life while seeking personal, social, and political justice. Today's guest is Natalie Watson, author of 15 years and 14 chapters, The Loss of My Son in Three Ways. Her book is the true story of her son, Noah Matthew Watson, who tragically passed away while swimming with friends on May 30th, 2018 in Welland, Ontario. Noah's story is a spellbinding account of love, survival, resilience, and the unbreakable bonds that bind a mother and son even after death. Throughout the course of this book, Noah's mother shares the stories of her son's life from his birth to his death at the age of 14 and explores the relationship that she continues to have with him by describing personal stories and accounts of the major events that shaped them both during the 15 years of Noah's life. Noah's mother provides a compelling account of her life and struggle as a single mother, how these challenges impacted Noah and how she survived the unspeakable tragedy of losing a child. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about being here today. And right out of the hop, I'm already emotional. <laughs> reading, uh, reading the bio and, you know, what always, May 30th, 2018, that mm-hmm. was like a minute ago. Yeah, you know what? It feels like if it was just yesterday, you know, each time I think about it, I'm like, this feels like it was just yesterday everything feels so fresh and you know there's there's no difference it just feels like it's almost like giving birth to a kid and you never forget the pain it feels like wow I just had you yesterday I remember what that pain felt like so it's still fresh everything is still fresh for me and my family and in that you've already like you've written this book I mean we're just starting 2020 and this happened at the end of November or the end of 2018 um, I am, I am blown away at your, your resilience and your survival. Um, you know, tell me what, I mean, obviously we know his, his, his passing inspired this book. Um, mm-hmm. but where did you get the strength and the will to write a book <laughs> about this experience so early in the game? Tell me about, you know, what, what transpired that, you were able to dig deep and get this done? Um, for me, it was very, it was extremely difficult. I, I have to say that. Um, I just remember during my early stages, and for me, it's still early, but the first 30, 30 to 60 days of, you know, realizing that, wow, Noah, he's no longer here with me. He's no longer here with the family. Like, how am I supposed to move on? What life, you know, am I going to now have, you know, for myself, you know, to take care of my other kids? And I thought about that. And for me, I did a lot of soul searching. Um, I just remember, like, especially the first month or so, I want to say I spent a lot of time, like, by myself. I spent a lot of time 
inside my head thinking, you know, how his whole life was and everything was just flashing before my eyes. And, you know, initially I'm like, okay, how can I really heal? And I thought of like so many different ways. I accessed so many different resources and none of them weren't helping me. And the only thing that helped me was sitting down you know, writing out my thoughts every day. I never thought for a second that I was going to put it into a book. Um, but after some time, I want to say, just really digging deep and thinking what my life is going to look like. I started thinking about first, I got to heal myself. And I started getting my my thoughts out on paper. And the amount of writing that I was doing, like in an actual book, I I kept flicking the pages and I kept going back and forth and I'm just like, wow, I can put this into a book. Right. And I thought, what would, what would be, you know, what would the book be consist of? I want it to be meaningful and I want it to be helpful. And as much as I was healing from my writing itself, I wanted to honor Noah and I just wanted him back. So I was thinking of, if there's any way where I can keep his spirit alive, it's by writing his story, um, writing something that way, you know, when his sisters are all grown, they can look back and, and read what his life was like, um, what, you know, I went through as well. And I wanted to help myself so bad to the point where I just my writing was just like nonstop. I spent a lot of time late at nights when everyone was asleep and that's all I was doing. That's the only thing that I focused on. Um, and as much as I was writing, it was very painful at the same time writing and going back and just, you know, recounting so many different events that happened. And it was the most painful journey besides losing my son that I've ever experienced was my writing um, so that helped me and that's where my strength really came from. It was just from knowing that I wanted to heal so bad. I pretty much made myself very uncomfortable, um, just writing everything that happened throughout his life. Um, the relationship that we, we have, um, while he was alive and the pain of writing it helped me. And I just wanted to just get rid of the pain inside if there's any way i could have gotten rid of the pain if that was writing that's all i did and, um, and you said something so valuable you said a couple things i want to touch on um mm -hmm. you know you said about the pain it, it, and you know i've interviewed um grief specialists and of course uh, you know most of everybody that i interview for my podcast is overcoming overcoming something extremely difficult usually. Um, and you know, the, the key always is, is that you, you can't run from grief. It, it, you have to embrace it. You have to go through it. There's no way around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You do I, the people who heal. I think I have observed those who heal, uh, and find the strength to, <sighs> step back into their lives in a healthy way, have it embraced the grief and have found a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I agree with that. 
and it takes, it does take courage, right? It does take courage. So I commend you. I also wanted to go back because you had said when he first passed away, um, I just wanted to clarify um, that when he first passed away, you were kind of reflecting on his life uh, and the things that he had gone through. Um, were, were you meaning by that? Like you were, you know, really feeling a lot of, were you experiencing feelings of perhaps shame and guilt of, you know, the negative life experiences he had and feeling sad for him at that time? Is that what was going on for you? Um, part of it was, you know, as a mom, there's been a lot of things like throughout his life where, you know, he, he was struggling with and a few things he had gone through. So even the thought of that as a mom, part of it was for me, it was, I was hurt. I was, I went through so many different emotions. I was um, ashamed of some of the stuff that I've written in my book because no one knows about it. And I was reflecting on it. And I'm like, wow, like, here's my son. He went through so much. And this is what became of him. Like, I expected more for him. So I went through a lot of different emotion and definitely um, hurt, um, embarrassed, shamed, um, and also disappointed with myself. A part of me do feel like, you know, I, I failed him to a degree. Um, and it's something that, you know, ever so often I'll, I'll beat myself up with it saying that I could have done better, should have done this and I should have done that. And, you know, that's something that I have to live with. Um, I've been told it's natural to feel that way. Um, but I still can't help, you know, feeling what I could have done. Maybe if I had done this or I have done that, you know, this would not have happened. So I, I still battle with it sometimes. Yeah. I, I really see that in moms who have children who are either facing tragic circumstances or in many cases have passed away for a variety of different reasons. Like, you know, when we have gone through adversity um, and our children have gone through that adversity with us, adversity with us, uh, there is a lot of shame that I think mothers particularly seem to carry. Um, and it also holds back our own ability to heal. And, you know, I'm always reminded and I, I have to remind myself and, and remind people, you know, and I'm sure you've said this to other people, like we really are doing the best we can with what we have. We are all products of our own life experiences and our own trauma and grief. And no mother, in t I do not believe any mother intentionally wakes up to fail her children. If we are making mistakes or, or, or experiencing failures with our children, there mm -hmm. are, it is generally because of ways we have also been failed. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where the love and compassion comes in, which I see so much in you of that. Like I see you as a leader of love, yeah. passion and empathy. Uh, and the first time I got to meet you was at your book launch Yes. And you had this room full of people that you got there for this book launch. And I had no idea what to expect, which I shared with you the other day. And you brought in other speakers um, mm -hmm. before you to tell their stories and the things that they had overcome. And, you know, just like my podcast says, like, we're all going through something and how we're getting through it. And 
and sharing our humanity is so important. And yes, that's what we did for everyone that night. So mm -hmm. your book has, has inspired so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that's my goal. Um, you know, while I was writing, even though, you know, I've, I've written about my son, it's his life story and, you know, the role I played in it as well. My, the purpose of me writing it, it's to help one person throughout my whole writing. I'm like, God, if this can only help one person, I will be satisfied. If this can transform one person's life, I will be satisfied, satisfied. And that was my main goal as well. Um, you know, after my son passed, I, there's a part of me that I tapped into that I never even thought for a second I had it within me, you know, to bring such a large group of people together um, for the event that you're speaking of. And I'm just, I was so moved that day as well, where, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, this is, this is happening. I like, this is it. If, if I can do this, you know, there's more to get done within um, this community and a region. So I was very pleased with the turnout and um, just from the book writing alone, I can see it has shifted a lot of people's life and I've been told as well. So that's my goal and I'm hoping to change more hearts, right? There's a lot of work to do, so. Well, and, and the piece you speak of, the shame, right? The shame mm -hmm. about the things that have gone wrong in life, like maybe the choices, quote unquote, we've made, but the choices we've made with the knowledge that we have, um, you know, that saying, right? What lives in the dark must come to light. And it, it really is people who are willing to talk about the parts of their life that maybe they're not as proud of. Um, yeah. But talking about them really candidly and openly, it is, that is what shines a light for healing for others. Uh, mm -hmm. And it really takes the most brave people. You're such a brave and strong woman to talk about the difficult things like so do you want to maybe share one of the difficult things that you went through with noah um maybe just give us a little kind of uh little sneak peek inside your your book yeah so one of the most difficult things that i went through with noah um it's 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 hard to even say it because it's something that you know, I never thought or imagined for a second that I would go through um, something to this degree. And um, that was losing my son to Children's Aid Society um, in Toronto. And for me, losing him in that way, that was one of the ways I lost him. And it shifted his whole life. It, a lot of events happen right after you know i lost him in that way and it was difficult because him going into care i lost him in terms of his personality he started changing as he's growing um you know i started seeing certain things happening with him where he was more um i want to say disruptive um and it's all because of the traumatic event that he's experiencing as a kid where he's like hey here's my mother here's my father why can't i live with either one of them 
And it was so hard because I couldn't explain to him at that age, you know, here's the reasons why um, this is not my choice. It's a decision that the system is making based on what has occurred throughout your life, right? And I couldn't wrap my head around it. Even like now, I can't even wrap my head around it because the way I look at it, I'm like, I believe that I'm a fit mom. And here you are taking away my son from me while I have other children in my care. So I I didn't understand the system and and how, you know, it was working at the time. Um, But over time, I see why they would have done something like that. But at the same time, there was no justification. My thing was, and what I believe the, the worker that we had, she was inexperienced and she went off of her emotions. Um, and I don't want to go into deep on it, but he endured so much pain after going into care and his whole life shifted. Absolutely. My life shifted. It is going into care for any child is a trauma in of itself. Uh, and we know the system is deeply flawed. <clears throat> and, you know, when I, I, I have heard not many stories like this, you know, it's a rare day that it is better for a child to not be in the family home. Uh, mm-hmm. In cases where issues are arising, it's usually about needing support to manage the issues that are arising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am so sorry that you and your family, and especially Noah, went through that gosh yes yes it, it was difficult it was it was very traumatic because i've i've never dealt with the system before so i didn't even know where to turn what to do so everything for me was definitely a learning experience going through that as well and it was hard on my other um kids you know his sisters it, they were torn they're like what's happening why isn't he with us you know like why everything for them was why and in my head it was a big why as well and I couldn't I was so wrapped up and focused on why 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 where it took me a while to even start you know accessing you know the resources that I had to access in order to get him back because I was so confused I was like how why like are you kidding me is this a joke um and again it just felt like a terrible nightmare so for him going through that it was one of one of the worst experience for him as well. Oh yeah, I would imagine. And I am grateful that you were brave enough to write about this because you know, people always assume when they hear that children's aid is involved mm-hmm. that, you know, that it's warranted. Yes. Yeah. And, that is, and that is not always the case. No, that absolutely. Sometimes there is deceptions or uh, poor investigations um, that lead to children being removed from their homes and uh it's it 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 perpetuates a cycle of trauma um uh, unfortunately the person that always pays the most is are the children right so um yeah so i I mean wow how brave of you and i know that there are so many i belong to a lot of advocacy groups uh that are involved i actually know a lot of former workers that worked for the system who have left because of their own frustrations uh, with the mm-hmm. system, um, sometimes uh, defaulting to abusing power. And, you know, so shining a light on that issue in your book, it, it really will not just, it will help many people. Yes. Yeah. I really, I really do hope so. That's my goal. 
Um, and even for you know moms who might be going through something similar, my goal, you know, when I wrote that as well, you know, just to let those parents know that you're not alone. Someone else have experienced this, and hopefully, by reading the book, they can, you know, dig deep and really, you know, read how I went about getting him back um, at home with us. It's it's hard. You're gonna feel like everything is gone like what's the point of even fighting but you know everything something some things are worth fighting for oh absolutely and you are very right i think it's a it's something that i've noticed in myself um and i've no, I, I know other people have gone through that when you are getting slammed with uh, a really difficult situation. Well, it is, it's a trauma response, right? You go into fight or flight or fawn. So sometimes we fawn, right? Where we just, we don't do anything. We, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a trauma response. It's not because yes. we don't want to do anything. We are literally overwhelmed with the daunting task of having to tackle what is in front of us. And we do not know where to start. And I think yeah. that's the piece, you know, uh, about speaking openly because you know people need support people need people to talk to sometimes people need people to kind of hold their hand and walk through the steps um yes. being able to read about the steps that somebody went through in a situation like that it, it will mm -hmm. definitely uh, be a beacon of light for someone else mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about what's coming up so you had this event for your book launch it was a full event it was so well done Thank you. It's a classy uh, and beautiful event, full of inspiration. I walked away from that event so full. Um, and so now you're going to do it again. Yes, I am. It's happening 2020. Wow. Go big or go home. <laughs> That's always been my attitude, but I always, you know, shy away from it. So it's definitely happening again. I'm excited about it um, for 2020. Uh, the date is actually July 25th. This is not out in the public yet, so you're the first to hear it. It's July 25th of 2020 in the city of Niagara Falls. Nice. Yes. And it's going to be at the Scotiabank? Yes, so it's going to be at the Scotiabank Convention Center. Um, it's a beautiful space, uh, much more space um, for what we're anticipating this year. So. Like you said, go big or go home. Definitely at the Scotia Bank. And so your event, what's your event called? Uh, so it's called Ish, I-S-H, I'm Still Healing. And I'm Still Healing, not just me, myself, but for other, whether you're a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, we're all healing from something in life. Um, and it's usually something very traumatic we're healing from. That's right. And we're stronger together. And that's the, that's the piece that I get out of your event is that you're bringing people together who are committed to healing. And then you are lining up speakers who are willing to talk authentically about their, their really difficult challenges. Um, uh, and then your feature speaker this year will actually be uh, uh, another guest of mine. Um, so every year when you hold this event, your feature or your keynote speaker will be someone who lost a child. Yes. Yeah, so my goal is to always have my keynote speaker um, highlighting that mother or father who have experienced loss of a child. 
Um, so this year I definitely um, have someone. Last year I highlighted myself because I wanted the space and I also wanted to create my own space um, just to tell my story. So that is the goal for each year. And I know there's a lot of moms and dads out there who have experienced loss and it's hard to talk about it. It's, it's hard to even mention your, your daughter or son's name. So this space, it's very inviting. It's very safe. And the conversation that's been held in the space is very real and it's very raw. There's no, um, you know, rehearsal or anything. So what you see is what you're definitely going to get. And it's a very warm space though. I want to say that. Wow, that's amazing. So that's July 25th? Yes. Is that right? So July 25th of 2020 will be the next-ish event. I'm still healing. Wow. So Natalie, um, as you're planning for this event and, um, you know, getting ready to make 2020 a big year for your healing, you know, what would you, what do you want to reflect on in terms of, you know, what is your, what is your key message for people who are overcoming adverse life experiences? Um, My key message would be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take time. My key message would be just to have patience. Um, I find throughout my healing as well, I'm reminded myself every day, slow down, take your time, don't rush, you know, your grieving process. And that's something I have to remind myself because I realized for me, it's going to be a lifetime of healing. This is not something that you're going to get over within five years or 10 years. It's always going to be, you know, there's things that's going to pop up where you're always going to be reminded. Um, Losing a child, it's very, it's very traumatic. So that's a part of you that's no longer there. And I think, you know, everyone just needs to have patience and know that they're not alone. That is the main key. We're all experiencing trauma in some way, shape, or form. So I'm just here to, you know, remind our loved ones, friends, and families, have patience and just, you know, take care of your mental health while you're doing that. And and it's so important. I think I see more and more people understanding and realizing, and there's more education out there, but in this consumer fast paced driven society that we live in, that is extremely the opposite of patience. Um, (laughs) People who are grieving often feel really invisible, like they're living in their own worlds. Um, And, you know, I think it's really important to, um, surround yourself. I also noticed that, that you are surrounded by some really good people. Mm-hmm. Yes. You definitely have to surround yourself with positive people, people who are gonna, they don't have to say much. All you need to know that they're present and them being present alone is the most important thing. Um, and that was very important for me. Um, I find like throughout my healing process and I'm still doing it, I am just separating myself from the naysayers and the people that are constantly pulling me down. They don't realize what you're doing um, by being negative, saying negative things or um, bringing that negative energy around you. You have to be mindful of the people that are around you. And that's important. 
And that's um, a really important um, message because one thing that I have learned over the years, right? So we always say we want positive people around us and, and versus negative. And positive does not mean that you're smiling and happy all the time. Positive, no. positive means that you are able to be real, authentic yeah. with your mm -hmm. feelings and that you yeah. are surrounded by people that are not going to judge you or shame you, that, that mm -hmm. they're going to be willing to at least learn how to hold space for the difficult aspects of life. To be negative yeah. is to, it, it is not about sometimes being a positive, sunshiny, hi kind of person and telling people to, denying people of their emotions or, mm -hmm. or, or, or constantly revisiting people's past in a shameful way that doesn't give yes. them space to explore and heal and learn from their own humanity and, and mistakes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's, it's really important that we, f we frame that healing, healing is messy. Yeah, it is. And, it is. and you, it's, it's not this, you don't wake up one day, like you said, and just kind of buck up and just go on with your life like it never happened I mean people mm -hmm. may try but that is it is very unhealthy to mm -hmm. not process that emotion and that we all have pasts and we all have stories yes really yeah, you, you definitely have to deal with your emotions there's there's days when I wake up and I'm just in my head. I'm like, I do not want to get out of bed. I do not want to see anyone. I don't want to see the sun. I just want to stay in my bed. And I do take advantage of those days where I'm like, you know what? This is how I'm feeling today. And it's okay for me to stay in bed today. Um, and then there's days when I wake up and I'm like, wow, I feel great today. Um, and then it's, it changes um, daily. But at the same time, I'm accepting, you know, all the emotions that I'm going through. And it's very like raw. And, you know, sometimes I surprise myself where, you know, I'm just going around, I'm very happy. And I'm like, okay, I shouldn't be this happy. And that's something that I, sometimes I beat myself up about. Um, you feel that guilt as well. And I'm reminding myself, you know what? No, I need to be happy. I need to be happy. I need to take advantage of the days where I'm really happy. Um, and without feeling bad about it. So like you said, it is a very messy, messy stage going through healing. Absolutely it is because you're dealing with so many different emotions and you could wake up one morning and you're great and halfway throughout the day, you're like, oh man, someone said something or, or did something and it just, you know, takes you right back into your shell. But it's how you overcome those emotions. It's how you're dealing with them. It's how you're pushing forward. And you, you know, you have to just set your mind that, you know what, I'm going to get through each day. And you have to keep constantly reminding yourself positive affirmations is also what's going to help you get through your days as well. And it's not going to be peachy. I don't expect it to be peachy. You're still human. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Right. I, and I think that's it. You know, get, people who are grieving need to give themselves permission to grieve and the people who are around them need to not pressure them to grieve at any particular pace and to love and accept them. And when you're dealing with this level of grief, the grief of, of losing a child, we need to, the people who love those people need to, to buck up <laughs> and yeah. realize that our job in loving that person and holding space for their grief 
will be an ongoing job. Yes. Yeah. Difficult one, but uh, definitely ongoing for sure. But you will be a stronger person. You will be a healthier person. You will have more meaningful relationships as a result. You know, there's nothing about death is the one thing that constantly reminds us how fragile we are. Yeah. Tomorrow is never promised. No, and all we do have is this moment, right? Like to just love each other and, and to feel that warmth and connection, uh, you know, and that we have to cherish the moment. Like there is a lot of bloom, a lot does bloom out of the pain of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you are forced to slow down and recognize the fragility of it all. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, even touching on that for me, you know, like I said, everything that has happened throughout my life, I've seen it in movies and I'm like, you would tell yourself, oh, wow, that can never happen to me. Right. And you're not telling yourself that because you're better than anyone. It's just like, you don't see it ever happening. So when it does happen, you know, each time for me, it, it, I'm able to reflect and I'm able to look back and I'm able to appreciate life even more. Um, I'm able to take more risk. I'm able to step out of my comfort zone, you know, break up with the relationship of having fear just constantly over me for years. Right. And I'm able to just wake up every day and be like, wow, I enjoy life even more than before. Like you said, tomorrow it's never promised so I appreciate the little things I don't think about oh you know what I'm not going to do this because of xyz I think of ways I can do something instead of ways I can't do something um but it it, it gets tricky it's just a matter of your mindset you know how you're able to look at life moving forward from pain to purpose you know be intentional live with more meaning and purpose in life from pain to purpose. I love that. Yes. Natalie Watson, you are such an inspiration. Where could, where can people buy your book? My book is available on Indigo, uh, Chapters, Coles, major bookstores. Um, it's available online. It's not available in stores and also on Amazon. And it's called 15 years and 14 chapters, the loss of my son in three ways. Amazing. Yes. Yes. And when, uh, when will tickets be for sale for your event? Uh, we are looking at dates right now. I want to say start starting in April. The date haven't been selected, but definitely look out for ticket sales in April. Okay, make sure you let me know so I can let my, my listeners know also. Absolutely, I will for sure. So this is Andrea Page. Uh, I am thanking Natalie Watson for being here today. Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your story and inspiration to us all. Um, Do you have any final thoughts? Um, No, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It was definitely a pleasure um, meeting you and also coming on your show. I love what you're doing. I'm a big supporter of you as well. So continue doing what you're doing and we shall crush mountains together. And I just want to thank the listeners for definitely listening to this podcast as well. Thank you so much. This is Andrea Page, and you are listening to Hanging On For Hope.